0: Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks, and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and
1: self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Hi, I'm your host, Kelly McMillan, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking about uh, a bunch of things related to firearms firearms. Um, shooting, training, um, just about anything you can think of. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the show. We're going to have Eric Cortina on, uh, such an extraordinary shooter and a great guy and and someone who's known as a go-to guy when it comes to uh, disseminating great information about the sport of F-class and especially the open division. Um, And... Then we're going to have an old, old friend of mine, uh, Dan Dowling. He's been, geez, he's been a customer of Macmillan fiberglass stock since we were in the garage. So uh, it's going to be great to talk about him. He says he wants to talk about his relationship with m- my mother and father. And that's going to be cool because I really always love when people want to talk about them so that I, I know that people haven't forgotten who they are. So that's really cool. I have some really, really bad news, and uh, if if you stay in touch with me on uh, my Facebook page, you you probably already know. But for those of you who haven't heard, I just wanted to let you know that retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Lonus W. Wigger, a four-time Olympian and most decorated shooter in the world, passed away last night at his home in Colorado Springs uh, from complications of. Pancreatic cancer. He was 80. Um, as you know, if you're a regular on this show, he was he was just a guest about six weeks ago. Uh, sounded good, but you know how that cancer is. so You just never know. Um, but what it what it did to me was it it really broke my heart. And and though we knew he was sick and had been fighting this for a long time, uh, when I saw the announcement that came through uh, a Facebook. I mean, a a, an email, I just wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't prepared for how I was going to react to it and, and what it did to me. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. It, It doesn't matter when you really care for someone and he's been so instrumental in a portion of your life that you really look up to him and respect him that, you know, when he's gone, it's just hard. And, uh, uh, I know that the world is going to be a, a darker place without his light because everybody who knew him uh, would talk about the man a whole lot more than the shooter. And that's the thing that I'm, I'm so fortunate that I got to spend time with him on his birthday in August and had him on the show. I was hoping I would get to allow our... Um, listeners to get to appreciate the human being that he was, and and how he had influenced so many people. Um, other than just with his shooting, because that was really a big thing about Lonas was that he worked with the uh, U.S. Olympic Training Center for all of his career after he he stopped shooting personally. So uh, he's had a tremendous effect on almost three generations of shooters in, uh, you know, the U.S., and that's been such a great thing to to be a part of. Um, having said that, I want to move on to our collegiate spotlight. We've got Melissa malloy makosi head coach at, believe it or not, MIT. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, when uh, Zev told me that he had signed up the coach from MIT. I thought, you gotta be kidding. MIT doesn't have a shooting team. Well, was I wrong? Because not only do they have a shooting team, but they they put an incredible number of people, students, through their shooting sports every year. So Melissa, awesome, glad to have you because I know you're gonna do a better job telling us about MIT shooting than I would. Um, right. Here's your chance to, to give us uh, a four or five minute overview of what the program's like, what uh, the kids should know if they have an inclination to come to MIT and want to want to continue their shooting as well. So have at it.
2: Absolutely. Well, MIT is kind of a little hidden secret, as I like to say. Um, We actually have several shooting programs here, and we have a range that's located on campus. Believe it or not, MIT is located in Cambridge, which is right next to the city of Boston. So it is a, it's a major city. Um, However, we are fortunate enough to have two ranges on campus. Uh, The pistol team has a 15-point range, and the rifle team has a 16-point range, and they are located side-by-side. So this is huge. We have 31 firing points total, so when I have a competition and I bring in a rifle team, we're able to use both ranges, so I can accommodate up to 31 shooters at a time. Um, Some of the other things that are, I think, really unique about MIT as far as our shooting programs is I would say we're probably, from a collegiate standpoint, we're probably one of the true grassroots programs. Uh, Most of our students that come here, they come from all over the world. They are, you know, the best and brightest in their field. But a lot of them have never had any firearms experience. Some of them come from countries where owning a rifle isn't, it's not even allowed. It's not even permissible. It's something they've never fathomed. And a lot of people, when they come to MIT, they decide to get involved in the shooting sports because it's so far outside the realm of anything they've ever done before. And some of the things that we offer are we have an NCAA rifle team, which I coach. We have a physical education class. Actually, we have many physical education classes, but we have several that involve rifle everything rifle and pistol, everything from introduction to more advanced and intermediate courses. We have a pistol club and this the pistol club consists of students that travel and compete, just like we do in rifle. And we also have an intramural pistol team, which consists of students from the student body who just want to compete and take part in shooting, but maybe don't want to have the same level of commitment as being part of the student pistol team. Uh, most of our programs, including my own, we recruit from within the student body. Uh, we love having students come to MIT with the experience, um, and we have had we've had. Quite a few in the past, and we've had a lot of success with them. But we introduce—if I had to estimate—I would say we introduce about 500 people or 500 students to the shooting sports each academic year. Um, I coach, as I said, I coach the rifle team. We compete against everyone from Army, Coast Guard, John Jay, University of Akron, and Reno. Uh, some of the schools we've competed against earlier this year. We're Division Three, but we compete against Division One and Two schools equally. Just like any other NCAA rifle team, we compete in the three-position and air rifle events. And my team, we probably have about 15 students on the roster at the, t- at the current time, and we compete in the Mid-Atlantic Rifle Conference, which is located pretty much in the eastern part of the United States.
1: Um, Melissa, you
2: program. have... Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, you had sent us a photograph of your team, and I'm yep. assuming that's the current team. And it is co-ed. I saw that you had a female on the, the team. Now, we've had more female coaches on this program than we've had male coaches. And there has been several female teams because I know that the NCAA says that if you want to be an NCAA sanctioned school, you have to have a certain number of female sports. Um, but we always love to tell everybody that this is the one sport where women can compete equally on an equal level with men and do extremely well. Um, A lot of some of the national champions have been women. So I see that yours is a co-ed program. You just said that you you only recruit from within your students, but as an NCAA um, sanctioned program, do you have scholarships available for those that you recruit for the the rifle team? Yeah, I
2: mean we do recruit from without outside of MIT, we're Division Three, so we do not offer oh, athletic yeah. scholarships. <laughs> and the students that would come in to shoot in our program, they're held to the same academic standard that somebody who was going to take part, who, who would not be taking part in any athletic event. Uh, so it's a little bit tougher for us to recruit just because of the academic standards, but um, we still get a lot of people that have interest, uh, want to come here, um, and can not get the grades. Rifle shooters tend to be very intelligent people, so we're very fortunate in that regard.
1: This is definitely a case of being a student athlete rather than being an athlete slash student.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, that's awesome. Um, We've found that, uh, you know, most of the the kids in the shooting programs don't have some of the same challenges that they have in some of the other sports. Uh, Most shooters tend to be pretty good students they're disciplined and they're they're willing to really focus on detail because even the smallest variation in position or trigger control has a big difference on the score so i think that's a a plus for them as a student as well
2: i I agree and I, i feel like that's one of our strengths here at mit is you know we are getting highly intelligent people but they already have that ability to focus and that determination Uh, Just getting into MIT, you know, it's kind of like the, it's so hard to get in. They've already got that competitive spirit in them. So they're just, they're very driven individuals. So they're actually a great group of people
3: to work with.
1: So we'll we'll put this out there for all of the students that are considering MIT as an education uh, platform and happen to be shooters to definitely mention when they apply for um, admissions that they've done some shooting is. It never
2: hurts to, to let them know that, yeah. I mean, I want you to tell them, but definitely let them
1: know. <laughs> uh, how would they get a hold of uh, you or the shooting program to learn more about it if they were interested in coming to MIT?
2: Um, if they check out the MIT Athletics website, uh, there should be a direct link to Rifle.
1: What is the MIT website?
2: Um, you know what, I don't have it right in
1: front of me. But if you go to mit.edu and you look for the athletics. Okay, great. Well, Melissa, I really appreciate you being on. Thanks for sharing a little bit about MIT and about your shooting program with us.
2: Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me.
1: You're welcome. And good luck for the rest of the season.
2: All right. Thank you.
1: Bye. You're welcome. Okay. Sorry for all the difficulties on, on that particular thing, but it was worthwhile having them on. You know, I, it does not surprise me that that's a true student athletic program rather than you know rec- recruiting them for their athletics and trying to create a student out of them like so often happens with some of the major universities and other sports. And you know so, I wonder how they they handle the gun-free zone on campuses
4: especially in a situation like this. I have their pistol and it looks like it, it is air pistol but
1: still how do they how do they work with that? Well, I'm sure that they don't get to take their pistols home with them. <laughs> so, um, I want to get right to our first guest because I've I've really got a lot of questions for him. Um, I'm anxious to get to know him a little bit better. Um, we're gonna call Eric Cortina to the phone. Eric, you out there?
5: Yes, sir. I'm here.
1: Hey, Eric. Thanks for joining us. I'm really excited to have you on.
5: Thanks for having me.
1: What I'd like you to do is just take about two or three minutes. Uh, tell us where you grew up, how you got involved in shooting. You know what it is about uh, shooting that uh, interested you, and 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 let us know where you're at today, so I don't have to go over all of that for our listeners.
5: Sure. Um, well, I'm going to start with my shooting career. I, I was hugely into hunting. I was a big hunter, and I went to uh, Colorado with some friends of mine. They invited me hunting, and uh, I went out there, and uh, I realized that the shots were going to be long, and uh, you know, not by today's standards, but by, back then, I'm talking three, four hundred yards, and I thought that was just not going to happen. I, I was so afraid to wound an elk and then chase it for days. So I was, I was terrified. I, I, I was, I was nervous because I wanted one to come out, but at the same time, <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do if it did come out at four hundred yards. So um, luckily, <laughs> I didn't see it—an elk. So I didn't have to make that decision. But I did uh, promise myself that I was going to learn how to shoot long range. I came back home, and I started learning how to shoot long range on my own. And then I started looking for uh, clubs or matches, and I found a a small club over in New Braunfels that shoots 500 yards. And that's where I started. That's where I met uh, Mark Farr. And then through Mark Farr, I met Mike Downey, who was part of the U.S. rifle team. And he kind of took me under his wing, and we started going to Bayou Rifle Club to shoot thousand yards, and my first, my first thousand-yard match was shot with my hunting rifle, which was a 300 Winchester Magnum. I mean, it was a nine-pound rifle shooting 175 match kings, about 3,000 feet per second. Sixty shots was just so painful. Either way, I, can I, imagine. Learned how to shoot, <laughs> I learned how to shoot long range. I went back to Colorado the following year. I saw a, I saw a mule deer at, oh, I think 365 yards. I ranged it, dialed my scope squeeze the trigger, it fell down, and then I realized I had just took all the fun out of hunting. So, sold all my hunting rifles and bought match rifles, and that's kind of where it, where it all started. That's when I went from hunting to competition, and uh, as you know, as the years went on, I started learning and being more competitive, and that's the good thing about shooting at Bayou Rifle Club in Houston. There's a lot of really good shooters out there, so you have to get really good to to compete against those guys. And, um, you know, I just kept trying and trying and testing different things. And, I mean, I did a lot of shooting when I started, a lot of trigger time. And, um, anyway, that's kind of how I got to where where I'm at now. You have, (laughs) there's no substitute for trigger time. And um, I did a lot of reading uh, by the way, Mr. Lonis Wigger, he has a book out called or a training program called Winning in the Wind. That's something that I read a long time ago. It came with a CD-ROM, and, and uh, you know, you kind of practice on your computer, win calls and stuff. And I did all that, and that's kind of what laid the foundation to, to you know, what I kind of where the game has took me uh, today. So oh, yeah.
1: uh, when you shot During your first match... And,
5: Educate yourself.
1: When you shot your first match, Eric, was, was it an a F-class match or was it a high-power match? F-class. Okay. So, so you, you started right at, at F-class, no slings. That was just, um, you went straight into, you know, what we consider now to be the, uh, the forerunner of the F-open uh, division. So, just,
5: so what happened, I had a, you know, I had a 300 Winchester Magnum with a scope. So I started asking around, I said, hey, where can I shoot long range? And they said, hey, there's a, you know, some guy told me, he said, what you're looking for is F-Class. I mean, that's kind of what they do. And uh, I started researching around my area, F-Class matches. And that's kind of where I fell into, just because of the equipment that I had at the time. And uh, anyway, that's kind of where it all started.
1: So since you started shooting F-Class, lost that... uh thrill for hunting because it all of a sudden became too easy, I guess.
5: That's correct. I mean, it, you know, it, it, <laughs> what happened, as you know, it's the anticipation, the the, uh, the nervousness, the, the, the chance that you could possibly miss. And I'm not saying I'm the best shot in the world, but as you know, after we shoot 1,000 yards like every weekend, uh, almost a 350-yard shot at a big buck, it's not very challenging at all. Uh so, you know, yeah, it pretty much, I lost all the fun. It, it, it was not as fun. The anticipation wasn't there anymore. I was not nervous. It, it pretty much, I knew once he stopped, I had him. And yeah. that took all the fun out of it.
4: Eric, this is Zevon. Uh, good, to, good to have you on the air. It was fun speaking with you over the past couple of weeks and getting all the information on you to, to build your bio and, and get you up on our description um, you know that was probably the best endorsement for joining a competitive game uh, as a way to to bring up your hunting game that I've ever heard. I mean that really got uh, got the message across. So thank you for that. Um, oh, you
6: worked.
4: Yeah. Also, I know that uh, Kelly is is excited to have you joining our pro staff. So uh, back to Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I
1: just want to remind our listeners that we're, we're starting a new one-stop shop for everything, basically long-range competitive shooting. Uh, we'll have some hunting products in there, but it basically focuses on ELR, F-Class Open and FTR, uh, and P- high-power and PRS. So we're trying to come up with a, a way that we can offer all the products that, that a guy would need. And he says, hey, I heard Eric on the radio the other day, and I want to shoot F-Class Open. But I don't want to shoot with my 300 Win Mag. Uh, so what <laughs> yeah, do I? Do that. So I want to be able to offer them a place where they can go and get everything they need all in one place. So that's what we're working on, and and we really appreciate you volunteering to be part of our our champion staff. We're going to use professionals like you, people who use the products, who have experience with them, and who have recommended products to us to help give the descriptions and tell how they work and why they, the customer should feel confident in choosing that product. And uh, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate you being one of our champions. That's going to be really cool. Well, oh, thank you. Well, you know, one thing that I know, and I talk to this about, uh, to a lot of shooters, we stepped away, McMillan, we stepped away from competitive shooting for a while, even though that was our grassroots and I was running a rifle company and I didn't really have time to to dedicate as much time to the stock company as I had previously uh, and so there were certain things that kinda got left to the side and, and I think our support of the shooting sports and, and competition was part of what was suffering so when I sold the rifle company I, I decided to get back into supporting matches and going to matches and meeting the shooters and designing and developing products that would help them become better shooters. So that's what our goal has always been. And uh, I think in the last uh, couple of years, we've made some really big inroads into getting back on top and having people think about our products as the best out there, best available. But, you know, F-Class, Open and FTR both, it's almost... And I think you can back me up on this. It's it's the confidence level that really determines how consistent you are, and you have to have confidence in your in your equipment, in your rifle, in your loads. Um, I know you mentioned in your bio that that you've become a very good hand loader, and I was there last year when uh, they announced you as the. Uh, the best hand loader of the group because of the zero spread on the the rounds that they selected you to shoot uh, over the chronograph at the uh, Southwest National. So, yeah, talk about how you go about determining the products that you use, why you use them. Uh, You can name the brands on on the radio. That's okay. That's why we're here. We want to help you, you know, to, to be able to get your message out there as well.
5: Well... Nowadays, it's fairly easy. I mean, all you have to do is look at what what guys that are winning are using and just duplicate what they're using. I mean, so I use Lapua brass. I use, uh, you know, for for the world. That that, that actually happened at the World Championship, that that story that you told. But uh, for the World Championship, I was shooting as a part of the U.S. rifle team. So I was shooting Lapua, I'm sorry, Berger 180 hybrid bullets. And um, I was using uh, pretty much, you know, primers, the match primers, federal primers. Again, this is stuff that's no, it's no secret. Everybody can use, everybody knows that these are kind of the go-to components. The pool brass, burger bullets, and a good match primer. And then everything else, you know, I have a Brooks barrel. I shoot shoot Brooks. That's all I shoot. Um, I have a Borden action. Uh, Jim Borden has a excellent actions. They're extremely consistent. And uh, other than that, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really simple. You know, All I did was pretty much do what everybody else that's winning is doing, and it's going to work for you. You don't have to... There's a lot of guys, and I understand that. I did it, too. But they, they don't want to jump on the bandwagon. They want to be different. They, they want to win with something different. And can, can it be done? Yes. But you're going to have to do all the R&D, which is going to set you back a long time, whereas you can just jump into something that's already working and just go and, and practice and go win or try to win instead of doing all the R&D of what gets that bullet to work, what gets that primer, what gets that bullet, what gets a new cartridge. I mean, I'm shooting a 284 Shehane, which a 284 Winchester or variant is what's winning everything. There's a lot of guys out there. Again, they're trying different cartridges. Can they work? Absolutely. But again, it's going to take them a long time to get to the winning recipe. Whereas,
4: and Eric, Eric, you know, I really appreciate what you just said because that really drives home the point again of what we're trying to put together with the RHQ. There are, you know, different price ranges that people have to work with to get into the game. Um, so somebody who's just coming in, you know, should he use XYZ scope or, or a less expensive but incredibly good scope that we're going to be offering? Uh, the R&D that you were talking about, and that's, you know, one of the main reasons we have our champions and our pros is because they are doing that work. So really, there are, you know, some uh, options that people could choose from basing on their price point. Um, and so that R&D is done for them. And you're right, that, that can take an incredible amount of time.
1: Correct. One of the things that um, you mentioned and I think is important is that uh, there isn't really any secrets out there. Um, yeah, you want to win. And, and I think that, you know, if somebody asked you what what your load you were shooting, I think you'd be happy to tell them. That's the way it is in most of the shooting sports because you really want to be the best shooter, not just have the secret or have the best equipment. You want to know that you personally can compete on a national level with anybody without having to depend on any secrets or some special sauce that they don't have. And and that's one of the cool things I think about this shooting community is because they're really good about sharing information. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm, I think when
4: Eric sent in his bio, and I asked him to bring in a couple topics, actually, his number one topic was mentorship and how he feels that that's an important part of the game, and how he uh, actually practices that. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do on that side, Eric?
5: Well, I, I enjoy passing on information. I mean, as you know, I have a YouTube channel. I'm on my social media. I'm always, you know, accurate shooter as well. That's a great website for for information. Uh, I'm always willing to give people the info that I have that has gotten me to where I'm at, and um, you know a lot of people are going to debate it. That's okay. You know that's one thing that that uh, that you have to kind of just forget and just keep going. But the reason I like to help people is one, it helps the sport. I believe it. it, it if somebody can go and start shooting really good, really fast, it's gonna it's gonna get them hooked. Frustration is the biggest, number one killer uh, of the sport. If guys come out there and and they don't do well, that's it. A lot of them quit. But if they can do well, or at least they can have the hope that they're going to do well, they'll stick around. And and at some point, they're going to help somebody else and somebody else. But the other thing that it does is when I teach somebody what what I'm doing and they start using it and they start winning, it lets me know that I'm doing the right thing that I'm just not hard-headed enough to to not open my eyes and, and kind of see that the grass is greener on the other side, it tells me that I'm doing the right thing as well.
1: That's awesome, and that's one of the things that, that I appreciate about you the most is the fact that um, everyone says, it. oh, Eric Cortina, oh, he's a great source of information for newcomers or anybody, you know, Go to his website, check out his stuff because he really is good at sharing what what's happening within the sport, and I really appreciate that. Eric, hey, I'm sorry we're just about out of time. I do want to mention that one of the coolest things about you is is your other business. Uh, I think the Barn Dominions are one of the coolest things I've ever seen, and we didn't get much of a chance to talk about that. But if you would just share your any um, website, Facebook, uh, YouTube channel name, so that if people want to find out more about you they can they can look you up
5: yeah and just you know you can pretty much just google texas texas Barn Dominiums, and uh, you'll find it or 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 you can just on facebook just do a search function texas Barn Dominiums. and what it is we build metal buildings and we finish them out like a house on the inside but it's these are custom homes these are not uh just Run-of-the-mill homes. These are very high-end custom homes, and that's that's what I enjoy doing. <laughs> that again, I'm a detailed person, you know. So I like to detail. I like to build stuff that nobody else is doing, and if they are doing it, I want to do it better than everybody else is doing. And that, that's that's what gives me, uh, you know, makes me feel good. That's what makes me feel good doing stuff that most people say can be done, like you know, shooting a thousand yards. It, for us, it's fairly easy, but most people don't think it's that easy. <laughs>
1: Well, you can do that because uh, you definitely have moved up to the point where you're you're one of the top guys to beat. At any match you show up at, people are looking to find out where Eric Cortina is so they know how he's doing. I know they follow you to make sure that they're competing against the best. So I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for taking the time. And I look forward to uh, working with you on elrhq.com as one of our champions. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate it. And for the rest of you, I'd like you to stick around for the next uh, minute and a half or two minutes while we take a commercial break, and we'll be right back.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
3: For over 40 years, McMillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gun stock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, Macmillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148. Or visit MacMillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148. Or visit MacMillanUSA.com.
7: Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies Handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.
3: va press pass by voice america all access all the time
6: want to
2: experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience tune in to sports info um with daryl oliver and sam sword we'll talk about the drafts play-by-play and even what's happening in the offseason Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show.
1: Hi, this is Kelly McMillan. Thanks for sticking around through the commercial break. Uh, Still having a little bit of uh, technical difficulty, but um, I want to take this time to have Cooper Balestrino, our social media guru, uh, let everybody know what's going
2: on. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I just want to remind our listeners that we do have a Christmas sale happening uh, this weekend. We're actually doing 25% off MSRP on our stocks in inventory on our online retail store, and it includes our tactical, hunting, and sports stocks. Um, Now, this is online only, and we're going to send out a promo code via our newsletter, so make sure to sign up through our website, MacMillanUSA.com, in order to receive the promo code, and then on Monday... We will, again, offer it to you on social media if you are following us on Facebook.
1: Awesome. And one thing that Cooper didn't mention is that we expect a full launch of ELRHQ.com on the 18th. Mm -hmm. So everybody out there who's excited to see what we're doing, keep an eye out for that, and, and we'll be open and ready for business on the 18th.
4: Well, our next guest is on the line waiting for us. It's Dan Dowling. Um, I know that we're having a little bit of technical difficulty in him hearing us, but uh, I, I wanted to start just to make sure that he hears us. Dan, do you hear us?
8: Yes, I sure am.
4: Okay, good. Dan, why don't we just get started with you telling us a little bit about where you're from and how you got into the shooting sports. And then I know Kelly can't wait to talk to you about his mom and dad and your relationship with them, and how you've been tied to the business for these many years. But let's get started on where you're from and how you got into the industry.
8: I can do that. Okay. I was a career military and retired from the Air Force in 1978, but one of my last tours of duty was in Tucson, and I, I, uh, an old Hall of Famer, Dave Hall, introduced me to the bench rest game, and I came up to uh to Casa Grande, shot some there, and then uh we ended up at, at uh there and then at that time I it's when I I hooked up with with uh Gail McMillan when he he was getting his business first going and uh bought on early stocks and and uh, there and so then I shot my first nationals in 1972 at Tulsa, and then I had an interruption when I got shipped back overseas for two and a half years and didn't get back in the game till, till about 76. And uh, during this time, I, I used mostly McMillan stocks worked for me. That original Ventura stock of theirs, I personally still think is the best stock I ever shot. It, well, you're not the
1: only one, Dan. Pardon? You're not the only one. You know, we've been making two of those every day for the last 40 years. I have no idea where they have all gone, but <laughs> it's it's amazing to me. To well, think they were
8: tremendous old stocks. I loved mine.
1: Still making them today. People still like them.
8: Yeah. The only the the thing, the one improvement you guys made on it that really helped was on the on the China on the side you moved it forward where it didn't interfere with the bolt handle so much on the Fremington style actions absolutely so yeah for then on it progressed and I, I came to Colorado and went to school for two years and then opened my shop and I had some really lucky breaks I, I, I got lucky and won the state three gun in 79 which brought me customers. didn't mean I could build a gun much at the time, but it sure meant th- that I shot good that year. And then in 1980, we developed the Waldog cartridge, a little shortened PPC in 22 caliber, and uh, Bill Pond of Rapid City, South Dakota set, uh, at that time, world record with it, a 17-something 100-yard egg that didn't hurt the business any either. And it's gone along like that. We've been very fortunate, call it blessed, if you will, that we've had (laughs) good customers and things just worked out well for us through the years. We've never hurt for work. Well, you've been
1: one of the best customers that we've had over the years. I know you've ordered lots of...
8: Well, appreciate that. Yeah, uh, then... uh, when we, I moved, after I got done school and we went on a while, then I moved over here to Grand Junction, Western Colorado. And we, we've, uh, 10 years ago in, 19, in 2008, we got the opportunity to put a bench rest together, range together out here. We, we call it the Land's End Club. And it started off well, we've got 20 covered benches. And we we draw pretty good. Our last fall shoot, we had about I think 38 shooters one day and 37 the next. And and we've got pretty good weather here, so it, it works out really well. Then also in my uh, one of my favorite places to shoot is up at uh, Don Decker's range in uh, Porcupine, South Dakota. We've been shooting up there since 1980. It's kind of out in the nowhere, but there's no place in earth that's more fun to shoot. And then also, we'll give a plug for Bud Shallice's operation in Northern Colorado. He does a great job over there, and he promotes the game, which benefits us all. And and then the guys got going over here in in Utah. Dave Tombridge and that bunch have put together. A, a nice operation over there. They're a little handicapped, only having 10 benches, but they put on a good shoot. Of course, if you get 30, 31 shooters, all of a sudden you've got four relays, and the days get kind of long, but it's still a fun place to shoot. It's up in the upper end of a canyon, and it, so you got got down, down canyon winds in the morning and up canyons, and afternoon, and it, it can be a pretty tricky place, but it's a lot of fun. So, our range here shoots to the east, which is unfortunate, but that's all we could get. And so it, it's, it's a little, little challenging early mornings, but we've got some tarps and everything that help cover it up, so we get by.
4: Hey, Dan, so you're shooting 100- 200-yard bench rest. Is that correct?
8: That's correct. And then at uh, Porcupine, South Dakota, on the 4th of July weekend on the Saturday, it's a 1-2-3 shoot, 100-200- and 300-yard.
1: Um, did, you, did you ever get the bug to shoot any longer than that? I know they have
8: 1,000-yard bench rest. Yeah, the 1,000-yard the in the NBRC game – I don't, I don't shoot that game personally, but it's, there's, there's quite a bit of it. There's none of it right here. I think the nearest thousand-yard range to here is over east of Denver, about forty miles.
1: Hey Dan, I want to ask, how did you name the the wall dog cartridge? Where did that name come from?
8: Well, at the time, I. I felt like the 22 PPC. Well, you remember in the old days when, when I was shooting with your dad, the Sporter class was a 647. And everybody was couldn't wait to get that Sporter out of the way and get into the light gun shooting our 222s. So, but you could just have a switch barrel then, about 47 and then Triple Deuce had the same head spy size. So you could just switch it. Well, along comes the PPC. And uh, six PPC, and it's a different head size than is the other. And so, but I felt like the 22 PPC was a bit, bit too much power to capacity. So I started shortening that up and everything. And I, I, I talked quite a bit with it, and I got some help with it from old Fred Sinclair. On there, and we so we we pushed it back. We ended up about 103,000 short, which brought it up a little bit bigger than the 222, but it, it immediately took off shooting good and and uh it, it went well, good, but of course, the, the six pretty well owns the world,
1: right? Well, you know, the record that my uncle Miller uh set back in 1973 and and stood until 2012 was shot with a 222. So, you know, when you're talking about trying to improve something that was damn near perfect to begin with, um, difficult to do. Did uh, your cartridge, uh, your case set any records or hold any, uh, or win any nationals?
8: Uh, I'm sorry, Kelly, I, I didn't catch that.
1: Yeah, did, has anybody set any records with uh, the Waldo?
8: One moment, I'm going to have you say that to Rose and she can tell me and then I'll get right back on it. Hi, Kelly.
1: Hey, Rose. Thanks for joining us on the radio. How does it feel to be a
8: a national radio star?
1: (laughs) Hey, Rose. It's Zev here.
4: Do you hear me?
8: Yeah, uh, barely. uh, For some reason. Go ahead.
4: Okay. uh, Kelly had a question. What was it, Kelly? Has
8: anybody set
1: any records with the wall dog?
4: Has anybody ever set any records with that wall dog? Oh, yes, they
8: have. Here, I'll ask him. Has anybody set any records with the wall dog? Yeah, in uh, 1982, Bill Pond, uh, uh, and w- at a match at, in, in South Dakota, uh, shot a then-record, uh, it range-measured a lot smaller, but it ended up, official measurement, I think it was 17, mid-17, ag, which was good for world record at the time. The old one at that time was a 2-0, I, as I recall, and... Uh, then and somebody did in an unlimited, I don't know if it was a five shot or ten shot at that time, shot a record, but none of them, of course, are, are around anymore.
1: Sure. You know, everybody thinks that you should know what somebody does with your product, and but, you know, as a stockmaker, I couldn't begin to keep track of, of everyone that won a match or won a nationals or set a record or it, it, it just became impossible, so I, I stopped trying.
8: Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. What I was going to uh, pass on to you a little bit on where the name, the Wall Dog name, came from. Was uh, there was an old, older fellow, in, in lived in Denver at the time, and he was when I first got going. He was real supportive, and uh, he took a trip to, uh, and his wife to Ireland. And uh, I, that's about the time that the, I was finishing up getting the Waldog going, and he got the first barrel I made, and his name was Waldo G. Woodside. So this, the Waldo G is where Waldog came from.
4: Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate your time on with us. Uh, we hope to have you on again. We are running out of time. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, to uh, help them make the perfect rifle, how do they do that?
8: Uh, probably uh, give me a call. Uh, do you want the number?
4: Yeah, sure. Why don't you give us the number online right now?
8: Okay. It's code 970 434 0525.
4: All right, that's great. Thank you again for uh, being on the show, and we're going to go to a quick break. And uh, we hope to have you on again soon, Dan. Okay, thank you. Thank
8: you, Kelly. I appreciate it, and I'm sorry about the hearing problem. You're welcome. All right.
3: It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America.
7: All access, all the time. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart
0: You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for putting up with us uh, with a little bit of difficulties on our last guest. I want to thank Dan Dowling for for being on the show. He was trying real hard to communicate, but for whatever reason, he had a hard time hearing me. But I want to take these last four minutes to talk about what McMillan has been doing recently and a couple of things that I think all of you are, are going to want to hear uh, first off, we're going to get a little more involved in the shooting sports uh, than we have, and we're going to sponsor some teams. So the first team that we've actually put together is Team McMillan for the um, o- F class open or F class FTR team, um, and it's gonna be basically some of the best uh, FTR shooters in the country. And they've uh, almost all of them shot for Team USA. We've got Paul Phillips, Ray Gross is going to be the coach, Brad Savay, John Drolly, Jeff Rohrer, Derek Rogers, and Dan Polable. Um, we're looking forward to uh, appearing at the uh, Burger Southwest Nationals uh, as the first opportunity for them to shoot under the Team McMillan banner. Also, we're going to sponsor both Team McMillan and ELRHQ. HQ a record-setting event being put on and sponsored by uh, Applied Ballistics and Paul Phillips and a number of uh, vendors have gotten together. And we've all, as participants or sponsors of extreme long-range shooting, struggled with the fact that you know people can shoot a target and shoot at it 30 times and then finally hit it and then claim a world record. Yeah. So what, we're, what we've done is come up with a format that will allow for other people to be able to put on matches in this format and know that if they shoot this, this format and, and hit a range farther than they have, it will be a world record. So basically, the format is three shots, cold bore, no siders, on a target, a 36-inch target at Given ranges and the way they're going to do this is they're going to they're going to spread out the targets over the range, and you know probably start at around twelve hundred yards, maybe fifteen hundred, and go out to three thousand. And everybody that's going to compete in this will have an opportunity to shoot three consecutive shots on a target at a distance. If they're the first ones to do that, they hold the world world record. If it's surpassed. By the end of the day, somebody else, obviously, will be the world record holder. But it's an opportunity for everybody to get a chance to shoot at distances they probably never shot at and the opportunity to probably have a world record that doesn't come around every day. Um, Also, they're going to give out certificates at whatever range that you were successful at completing the three shots on target. So you might be in the 1,800-yard club, or it might be the 2,100-yard. But it's a way to keep people engaged, to let people have a little bragging rights about what they've done, knowing that this has basically been set up with a format that needs to be followed, and everybody gets an opportunity to participate in setting or breaking a world record. And I think that's really cool. It's going to be the day before SHOT Show, in uh, Pahrump, Nevada at, at, at Front site So you can Google Front site to find out where it is. And if you can be there on the Sunday before SHOT Show, do you have that date? Uh, that is the
4: 21st. So guys are gonna be setting up the range on the 20th. Uh, we will actually be there ZLR HQ with an easy up. Uh, we're gonna be uh, trucking in a bunch of our products and we're really excited to be there.
1: Yeah, so we look forward to having all of you come out if you just wanna spectate and see what it's all about. You can check out all the products at ELRHQ, and if you want to get involved, you know where to go for your one-stop shop, ELRHQ.com. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks for putting up with the technical difficulties. I think we had a couple of great guests. Um, Who knew MIT had a shooting team? I still think that's pretty incredible. That is. But I, I want to encourage you all to get out there, get your shopping done, enjoy the holidays. I know the weather here in Arizona is awesome. I'm taking my entire staff, all 68 of us. We're going on a dinner cruise on Lake Pleasant for our Christmas dinner. That's something brand new and and, uh, unique. We try to do something different every year. So I know we're going to enjoy that tonight. I hope you all enjoy your family and and the holidays coming up. And uh, we'll see you next week on voiceamerica.com, sports channel with Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Thanks
0: thank you for tuning in to taking stock with kelly mcmillan be sure to come back for more next friday at 2 p.m eastern time at 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america sports channel the weekend is here enjoy yourself we'll talk again next week